Well, hello everyone, young and old, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to I Am Next Generation Youth Ministries. This is your host, Pastor Duquan McKnight, and I pray each and every one of you is having a blessed week and a blessed day. And I pray all of you all are having a wonderful time and that you all are staying safe during the time of the pandemic. And even though things may seem bleak, I'm still here as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ to present to you the word of God, to challenge your heart, calm your soul and mind and spirit, and to refresh, give you a sense of refreshment. Amen? Amen. Today I want to talk to you about salvation. I want to do a salvation podcast. And I pray that you will share this with so many friends and loved ones that need to know Jesus Christ. And our text will come from Acts 24, verses 24 through 26. And I will read to you out of the New Living Translation. Acts 24, verse 24 through 26. The New Living Translation says, a few days later, Felix came back with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. Sending for Paul, they listened as he told them about faith in Christ Jesus. And as he reasoned with them about righteousness and self-control in the coming day of judgment, Felix became frightened. Go away for now, he replied. When it is more convenient, I will call for you again. He also hoped that Paul would bribe him so that he sent for him quite often and talked with him daily. Today, I want to speak to you a message entitled, Is it okay if I wait at a later convenient season? Is it okay if I wait later at a convenient season? Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus. Lord, we come to you with humble hearts and humble minds and humble spirits. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit will come and invade everyone's hearts and minds Touch them where they need to be touched. Let your convicting power speak to everyone's hearts and minds. And Lord, for those who do not know Jesus Christ, I pray each and every one of them that they will accept him before they breathe out their last breath or before they leave and go about their day or before they lay down and rest their head on their pillow before they go to bed. I pray that everyone will see Jesus as he really is. And Jesus, you are the center of our lives. And Holy Spirit, Make Jesus real to those that need to know him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's go to the background of this story. Paul stands on trial before a governor of Judea named Felix. Felix was one of the most powerful governors in the day of Paul. He was a Roman governor. He was a former slave, but eventually advanced to be procurator over a region in Judea. Paul stands on trial before this man. I mean, this man. I don't know where I... Anyway. Paul stands on trial before this man for a crime that he had never committed. You see, what happened was the religious authorities brought him and said that this man, Paul, he's, he's stirring trouble. He's bringing about rebellion and insurrection. He's speaking against the laws of God, the laws of Moses. He's blaspheming God. He's trying to create... A rebellion within our city. He is also in charge of being a little leader known as the Nazarenes who follows this Jesus and tells everyone that this Jesus is greater than the law of Moses and everything. So they brought forth accusation, accusation, and accusation before Paul to this governor. You see, before Paul became a believer in Christ, before he became a great missionary preacher, he was a persecutor of the early church. 
And you will read about that in Acts chapter 7, verse 56 through 59, that Paul was there at the stoning of Stephen. And he was there giving approval, giving permission for those to go and kill Stephen. And so Saul went on a rampage, going from house to house, hauling off people who are Christians, who claim to be Christ ones, putting them in prison for being heretics, for denying the law of Moses, for turning their back on the law of Moses and resorting unto Christ. The interesting thing about Saul was that he was a Pharisee. You see, Saul knew the law from front to left and from left to front, from forward to backwards, from backwards to forwards. Paul was studied in the law. He knew the law before the time he reached the age of 13. And in Jewish tradition, it would be known as a bar mitzvah in which a person would become a son of the law, in which he would be skilled in the law of God. And you can see that throughout the epistles, how Paul knew the law. And he was... A strict Pharisee, and many of the Pharisees before and after him were trying to groom him and prepare him to take the place of the seat of the great rabbi, Gamaliel, a man who knew God, but far from him. And that was like Saul. He knew all about God, but was far away from him. What about you? Has there ever been a time in your life in which you claim that you know God, but you were far, far away from him? Just let that question reside in your heart and mind. But something happened to Paul's life that would change him, that would bring him to reality. In other words, it was a great awakening for him. In Acts chapter 9, while on the road to Damascus to bring in other Christians from that city to persecute and to put in prison, he encounters the resurrected glorified Savior in which he says, Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? And he's like, Lord, who are you? And he says, do you know who I am? I am Jesus. I'm the one you've been harassing. I'm the one you've been persecuting. I'm the one you've been having a beef with, Saul. And he's like, God, what, what, what do you want me to do? What do you want from me? And he tells him, go into the city and, and there you'll be told what you have to do. You see, what Saul was doing before he had an encounter with God was he dealt with the issue of religion. He had a religion attitude and mindset and a religious heart. You see, religion wants to kill that which is of God in the name of God. And religion is also man's vain attempt to reach God. That's, Saul, that's what Saul cared about was religion. He was doing that what he thought was not right in the eyes of God, in the name of God. And that was killing Christians. But when Saul had that revelation, when Saul had that encounter with Christ, something changed in his life drastically. And he became a devoted follower of Christ. After being healed by Ananias, the disciple, and being baptized in water and with the Holy Ghost, he went around preaching the gospel, planting many churches. And let me say this to you folks. There is no greater change than the salvation change. When you hear the gospel message being preached to your heart and soul in life, when someone tells you about Jesus Christ, something in your heart will change. Something in your heart and life will say, I want to know more about this. I want to learn more. I want more of this. The problem that most people are looking for is religion. They think they can know Christ through religion and that 
They think if I do certain things, I'm okay with God. I don't have to accept Christ. I can just do certain things. Look, no matter how many times you go to a church service, no matter how many good works you've done, or no matter how good you are, that will not get you into heaven. Many people say, oh, if I read my Bible, if I pray in tongues, if I soul win, if I pray, if I go to church, if I help out in the church, or if I do this and this and this and this, that will score me brownie points with God. That doesn't work that way, friends. Am I bashing that? Am I saying you can't do those things? No, not at all. We are to do those things. But let me tell you something. Those things will not get you into heaven. What will get you into heaven is by having a fellowship with Jesus Christ. What will get you into heaven is by having a personal relationship and accepting him as your Lord and Savior. Because he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I will say this, not all roads lead to heaven. Don't listen to the lie of many people say, oh, there are many ways to God. There are many paths to God. No, there's not. There's only one door and one path, and that's through Jesus Christ. You see, after Paul had preached the gospel and planted many churches, yes, he stirred up some problems, and yes, he caused probably a few dozen riots and so forth. And after he had caused somewhat of a problem, according to the religious, religious leader, a little riot in Jerusalem, they bring it before Felix. And after they accused him, Felix says, Paul, what do you have to say for yourself, brother? How will you defend yourself? You have the floor. And so he gives Paul the floor, and it gave Paul the opportunity to present the gospel message. You see, when you see an opportunity for you to preach the gospel message to someone that don't know Christ, you take that opportunity. You see, God had designed a moment to have Felix hear the gospel. God had designed a moment for Felix to hear the gospel from the mouth of Paul the Apostle. You see, God will stop at nothing to have someone hear the gospel. Think back to your life. Think back to what you used to do or what you used to be before you met Christ. But then, Think back to that time when someone crossed paths with you and presented to you the gospel message or probably invited you to church or you heard a sermon or you went to a crusade and you felt that tugging and that stirring within your heart and life saying, look, I need Jesus. I need to know him. I want him as my Lord and Savior. And I'm speaking to each and every one of you. There will be a time in your life in which God will design a moment to have someone tell you the gospel of Christ. You see, before you met Christ, you were in sin, and God reached down, he picked you up and grabbed a hold of you. You see, we were born of sinners in need of a Savior. That's why the psalmist says in Psalm 51, in verse 4, Behold, I was shaped in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. 1 Timothy 1.15 tells us that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Christ came into the world to save sinners. It doesn't matter the sin that you committed. I don't care if you committed a sin that was awful. He can forgive you. He can forgive any sin. But the only sin that God will never forgive is blaspheming against the Holy Spirit, in which you attribute the works of God to the devil and rejecting the offer of salvation. That's the one gift. That's the one sin. That he will not forgive. So after hearing the accusations, Felix sends for Paul to hear what he had to say. 
And Paul would deal with three issues concerning Felix. He deals with number one, righteousness. Righteousness. You see, righteousness comes through Christ. What is righteousness? Righteousness means that you're in right standing with God. Righteousness means you're in right standing with God. And you can find this emphasis on the fact that no righteousness is based on your own merit. You don't get righteous because of your own works. That doesn't work that way. In fact, in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, the scripture says that Abraham believed God and God counted it to him or accredited it to him for righteousness. In other words, Abraham didn't become righteous because of his good works. No, Abraham became righteous because he put his faith and trust in God. He placed his faith and trust in God. And because of that, he was saying, God, you're more than enough. You're all that I need. You see, you can't do enough good works to make yourself righteous. So many people say, oh, I prayed to the Pope. Look, the Pope is just a sinner as much as you are. Oh, I pray to Mary. I'm sorry, Mary cannot save you. Or I'm Mormon. I'm sorry, Mormonism can't save you either. Or I'm a Christian science person. Listen, that and Scientology can't save you. Or I'm a Satanist. Let me tell you something. Satan can't save you either. There is no righteousness based on your own merit. You see, when Jesus Christ went to the cross. He clothed us with robes of righteousness. He took the robes of guilt and shame from off of us and he placed us with robes of righteousness. That's why he is known as Jehovah Tiskanu, the Lord, our righteousness. And because of what he did for us at the cross, his righteousness became our righteousness. As 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we may become the righteousness of God. Titus 3.5 says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 2.8-10 says, For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So he tells Felix, you're not righteous because of what you're doing. You're not righteous. You claim that you do some things. You claim that you do certain good things and good works. Let me tell you something, your deeds and your works, that don't make you righteous. It only comes when you put your trust in God. So he deals with the issue of righteousness and then temperance or in other translations, self-control. I looked up the definition of temperance in one study Bible. It describes it as bondages and vices, which affects humanity. We're living in a day and age where everything's accessible. You want to look at pornography on your phone? You can go right to it. If you want to get involved in drugs, alcohol, immoral lifestyle, suicide, the occult, depression, whatever the case may be, it is right there. You see, when you get involved in certain things and what you get yourself into, it will turn to bondage and you can't break free from it. No matter how hard you try, but you just can't break free from it. Let me tell you something. Satan plays for keeps. He's playing for your soul. He wants to damn your soul to hell. And yes, there is a place called hell. Hell is a real place. Hell is a place of separation. Hell is a place of misery. Hell is a place 
where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Hell is a place where you will gnaw your tongue in pain. Hell is a place where you will plead and beg for death to come. But the scripture says, in those days men shall seek death but will not find it. Did you know that in the Old Testament, hell is mentioned over 30-something times? And in the New Testament, it's mentioned 20, 30 times. But out of the 30, Jesus mentioned it 23 times. In fact, Jesus spoke more on hell than any other person in the entirety of the Bible. You see, all the problems that many young people are facing, all the things that they get themselves into... Whether it's getting high or smoking dope, sleeping around, drinking alcohol, drugs, suicide, whatever the case may be. They're trying to fill that void, that darkness, that emptiness, that bitterness. Thinking, is there someone out there that can fill the void in my life? Let me tell you something. Only Jesus Christ can satisfy the soul. Only Jesus Christ can meet your needs. Only Jesus Christ is the answer for your troubles. I remember Evangelist Jimmy Swagger made this bold statement. He says, the answer for which you seek is found only in the cross of Christ. In fact, the answer for your problems is found only in the cross of Christ. You see, the cross can make you free and set you free. He can make you free. I remember my college professor back at RBI, Pastor Allen. He was talking about this subject in leadership and he told us to do this activity in which you take a blank paper a blank piece of paper draw a circle and write all troubles and problems and things and struggles that you've experienced throughout life or you are experiencing and he says afterwards put a cross on the outside of the circle draw a cross and you know what that represents that represents philosophy Philosophy says that the cross cannot meet all of your problems, that the cross can only meet certain problems. But then you flip the paper over to a blank side again, draw that circle again, write all your problems and troubles, and in the middle of the circle, draw the cross. That represents ideology. Ideology says that the cross can meet all of your problems. In fact, the cross is the answer for the problem for mankind let me tell you jesus christ can satisfy your soul it was at the cross he took your bitterness he took your hurt he took your pain he took your anger he took your rage he took all of that for you the love of god was displayed at calvary when he went to the cross to die for you two thousand years ago there was a story about a medieval monk who lived back in the medieval times, and he made an announcement he was going to preach on the love of God next Sunday. Now, look, if you live back in the medieval times and you heard someone say, I'm going to preach on the love of God, you did not want to miss that. So as the night fell, that Sunday night, many people made their way over to the cathedral. And some carried candles because they knew it was going to get dark. But as the day grew on and as the sun began to grow down. It grew dark in the cathedral and there was not enough light within there. But then all of a sudden, the monk appeared and he took a candle. He went up to a crucifix statue of Christ on the cross and he illuminated the feet that was pierced, the hands that were pierced, the crown of thorns that was placed on his head, the spear in his side. He blew the candle and left out. And that let everyone know, hey, 
God loves you in spite of your sins. He loves you with an everlasting love, no matter what. He died so he can save, redeem, forgive, change, and set you free. And then lastly, Paul deals with the subject of judgment to come. Young people, no matter your race, no matter your age, no matter who you are, all will stand before him one day. Each and every one. Like I said, all will stand before him one day. And it doesn't matter how much you say you claim that you're a good person or how many times you help the elderly or how many times you go to church or read your Bible. Let me tell you something. You will have to give an account for what you've done. Good and bad. It, does, it doesn't matter your race, your age, you will stand before him. Second Corinthians 5.10 says, For all of us must appear before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account what we have done in the body, whether it is good or evil. You can stand before him as your savior or as your judge. How much better to embrace him now as Lord and Savior and Master of your life than to face him one day by saying, I never repented, I never believed, I never bowed the knee, I never confessed you as Lord and Savior and Master of my life. And now you're under the judgment of God. And I don't want none of you to go to a devil's hell. I want each and every one of you to spend eternity with Jesus Christ. I want each and every one of you to spend eternity with Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus Christ can change your heart and life. Jesus Christ can satisfy your soul. Solomon himself would warn us and say, Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it is good whether it is evil. So where do you want to face him one day? At the judgment seat of Christ? Where it's for believers only? Or at the great white throne judgment in which it, it is for the unbelievers, the lost, who are condemned to the lake of fire? I challenge you to make the decision. I challenge you to choose wisely. So after hearing all these things, the scripture says that Felix trembled. Felix trembled and he became frightened. It means that the Holy Spirit was dealing with his heart and life. And that's how so many people are when they hear the truth of God hit home. When they hear the gospel message tugging at their heart and life, they begin to tremble. They begin to frighten and be fearful. That's the Holy Spirit. Our job is not to convict people of sin. That's the Holy Spirit's job. So Felix puts off the offer of salvation. And that is sad. You see, many people are glad to talk about the Bible or God as long as they don't have to change in any way. But when the truth hits home, they resist or they run away. You see, a sinner always has an excuse when under conviction and refuse to surrender to God. They say, mm, maybe I'll wait till next week, next month, next year or another day. You don't know if you're going to live to see another day or a month or a week or a year. James says in James 4.14, for what is your life? It is like a vapor that appears for a little time and vanishes away. Ecclesiastes 12 says, remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days draw nigh, before old age will set in, before you return to the dust and the spirit returns unto the God who gave it. I challenge you now, don't put off the offer of salvation. You see, the Holy Spirit is knocking at the door of your heart probably right now as you're listening to this podcast saying, allow me to come in. Let me do a work in your heart and life. Allow Jesus to come in and change you. 
Look, and some of you are probably even burdened down with guilt and shame. Let me tell you something. It doesn't matter what you've done or got yourself involved with. He can save you right now. He can change and save and heal you. And if you just give him a chance, he can wipe away every eye. He can comfort the heart. He can make your depression into joy unspeakable. He can even get rid of the heavy burdens and give you a brand new heart and a brand new life. Dr. Billy Graham once said he belongs to all people. He belongs to the whole world. He belongs to anybody that will come and put their faith and trust in him. He even said, Jesus himself says, all that the Father has given me, I will in no wise cast out. Let me tell you something. If God can meet anybody's needs back in biblical times, and if Jesus can meet the needs of blind Bartimaeus, the woman with the issue of blood, Jairus' daughter, the nobleman in Cana, the man at the pool of Bethesda, he can meet your needs. He says, whatever you need for me to do, I can do it. I can help you. I can fix you. I can change you. I can heal you. And I can deliver you. Guess what? I know somebody who knows what to do for you. Would you like to meet him? And I would like to introduce to you a friend of mine. I want to introduce to you a man who is quite different from any other person because he is the one that spared me from going to prison. He is the one that has comforted me when I was hurting. He is the one that has saved me from death. He is the one that has stuck with me in the midst of my trials. He is the one that has saved me and filled me with the Holy Ghost. He has been my light, my peace, my joy, my help, my guidance, and my teacher. He has been my mentor and my best friend. He has been my role model. He has been my leader. He has blessed me with gifts and talents to edify the church and uplift his name. He is the one that is preparing for me the greatest mansion, home in a place where I will see his face and his name written in my forehead. He is the one that that watches over me. He is the one that I worship and praise. He is the one that not only changed my life, but it can change your life and save your soul. He is the one that can pride can provide for you with whatever you need in life. He is the one that is a true friend, the one who sticks closer than a brother. He is the one that died for our sins, rose from the dead to give you eternal life and promised to come again for you. And guess what? His name is not Buddha. His name is not Mohammed or Confucius. His name is not Scientology or Mormonism or Joseph Smith or Jehovah's Witness or Christian Science or Scientology or, or Islam. His name is not Allah. His name is the king of the Jews, the servant of the Lord, the son of man, the son of God. His name is the seed of the woman, the son of Abraham, the son of Isaac, the son of Jacob, the commander of the army, the Passover lamb, our high priest, the star of Jacob, the judge of the earth, the kinsman redeemer, the anointed one of the Lord, the son of David, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the beloved sun, the bright and the morning star, the carpenter of Nazareth, the deliverer, the day star from on high, the everlasting Lord, the faithful and true, the great I am, the high priest, the judge of all the world, the morning star, the man of sorrows, the overcomer, the way, the truth, and the life, Yahweh, Joshua, Jehovah, his name is Jesus Christ. Many people say they know Jesus, but not really, really know him. Let me ask you, do you know Jesus today? Do you know Jesus today? If you don't know him, 
I would like to pray for you right now. I want you to know him as your Lord and Savior. I don't want you to miss another day without knowing Jesus Christ. Maybe you don't know Jesus Christ and you've listened to me preach my heart out. And you want to say, I want Jesus Christ in my heart and life. I will like to pray for you. Or maybe you once knew the Lord, but you walked away from him, but you want to come back home. Today's the day for you. Or if you want to be sure of your salvation, that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life, then today's the day for you. And if that's you, pray with me this prayer saying, Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me and cleanse me. Change me. Fill me. Set me free. Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. I believe that you're risen from the dead and that you're coming back again for me. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Give me a passion for the lost, a hunger for the things of God, and a holy boldness to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm on my way to heaven because I have Jesus in my heart. My dear brothers and sisters, I pray that you have said that prayer. And I would like to tell you as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I pray today that all your sins have been forgiven. Always remember to run to God and not from him because he loves you and he has a wonderful plan for your life. And I want to conclude today's podcast with a message by one of the greatest preachers of all time, Dr. Shadrach Meshach Lockridge, as he describes Jesus Christ and what he can do for you. He preached a sermon entitled, That's My King. And I want to conclude this podcast by playing this message for you. And I pray that each and every one of you has made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Until we meet again in the Lord, this is Pastor Duquan McKnight saying, Good night. God bless you. Enjoy this message by Dr. Shadrach Meshach Lockridge. That's my king. The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's a king of Israel. He's a king of righteousness. He's a king of the ages. He's a king of heaven. He's a king of glory. He's a king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder, do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's impurely powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's a centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be 
an all-sufficient Savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He records the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you. Yes, he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. You can't get him out of your mind. You can't. You can't get him off of your head. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. Yeah! That's my king. That's my king.